0: It was A.W. Tozer who said, what comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And because really the way that you view God, the way that you view Jesus will determine how you interact with Jesus. The way that that you perceive him to be will shape your relationship with him. And therefore, the way that you view God really is the most important thing about you because when you see God as he is, it, it really impacts every other aspect of our of our lives it kind of reminds me of uh, this this redneck named Bubba, actually. Uh, Bubba and his wife were, were celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary, 50 years. And Bubba and his sweet little wife, they were there with their family and friends, and, and everyone was was asking. They, they shared stories, and, and all of them had this, this common theme that they had never seen Bubba and his wife in one single argument, not, not one fight in 50 years. And so everyone, there is like Bubba give us give us the relationship advice how do you how do you have such a healthy marriage no fighting at all and and Bubba said well I'll tell you it all started on my honeymoon Uh, we we left the wedding chapel and we're pulling away from the church and I had my buddy set up a horse and carriage to carry us off to our honeymoon and 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 we, we got there we got in the carriage and that stubborn horse wouldn't move That's what my my, my new bride told me, Bubba, don't worry, I'll take care of it. She climbed out of the carriage. She walked around to that big old horse. She looked the big horse in his eye and said, that's one. Climbed back in the carriage and Bubba thought that was super weird. But sure enough, that horse started started cruising, started trotting down the road. And they're off to their honeymoon. Bubba said, I was so excited. I can remember it like it was yesterday. And a couple miles down the road, that stubborn horse stopped again. And that's when Bubba said, My wife turned to me and said, Bubba, don't worry, I'll take care of it. Climbed out of the carriage, walked around that big old horse, looked him dead in his eye, and said, That's two. Not another word, climbed back in the carriage. And sure enough, the stubborn horse started, started running. And uh, about a mile, Bubba recalled, about a mile from my honeymoon, he's like, I was so excited, I, I, anticipation keeps building. And, and a mile away, and that stubborn horse stopped again, and Bubba's like, no, not again. And his sweet little bride said, Bubba, I'll take care of it. Climbed out of the carriage, walked around, looked at that big horse straight in the eyeball, and said, that's three. Three. And in that moment, Bubba recalled his new bride in her her wedding gown, pulled out a pistol from the purse and shot that horse right in the head. And Bubba said, What what are you doing? (laughs) Like, this is my buddy's horse. What are you thinking, woman? Now I got to carry your luggage all the way to our honeymoon. How are we going to get there? She said, That's my sweet wife. Looked me in the eye and said, Bubba, that's one. I don't care who you are. That's funny. That's funny. Uh, but here's what's not funny. Uh, some people watching this online experience today view God that way. Like you make a mistake and that's one. You, you're getting close to the, you're getting close to three and like you're, you're t- you're almost pushed the limit too far and God's going to write you off. But what I'm telling you today is that's a wrong view of God. Because God, is, is, is he cares about you so much. We've talked about this throughout this series, that God's grace can rescue you, can redeem any, any brokenness in your life. We've been spending, we've invested 14 weeks throughout this series, Jesus Is, just to try to get a, an accurate framework of who is Jesus. Because the way you view Jesus is the most important thing about you. So we discovered early on in this series that, that, that you just need to know Jesus wants to be your, your best friend. He's qualified to be your best friend. The the God who hung the stars in place wants to know you, wants to hear from you, wants to walk with you through the details of life. We talked about how Jesus is the miracle worker. We talked about how Jesus is is the good shepherd and he wants to, to guide you, to provide for you, to protect you, to lead you through life. We talked about how Jesus is the way, the truth, the life that Jesus is coming again, that that he is the vine that like provides nutrients and nourishment into our soul. He, he is the good teacher. And he doesn't just teach us, have good teaching. He left us a perfect example for us to follow. We talked about how Jesus is, he's God. Like he's not just a moral teacher. He's not just, not didn't just change the landscape of, of history as we know it, but he is God. We talked about how Jesus is gracious. And last week we talked about Jesus is, the door. He opens doors, closes doors. He's the gate. He has good for us. And this week we're talking about how Jesus is the lamb. And then next week we'll close out this series by Jesus' words as he said, I am the resurrection. And the life. But here's been our, our theme verse throughout this series. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Paul writes and he says, you'll remember friends, when I, when I first came to you, I didn't try to impress you with polished speeches or the latest, the latest philosophies and we could go here. There's a whole lot of latest philosophies flying around about what's safe for you, what will protect you, what's what's healthiest for you. But but we're going to set that aside uh, in this space because we're going to anchor ourselves into our mission. That's to help people find and follow Jesus. So we're going to keep it plain and simple deliberately. First Jesus, who he is, and then Jesus, what he did, and Jesus crucified. And ultimately, this last statement, Jesus crucified, is where we land today because Jesus is the, he's the lamb, the lamb. It was John the Baptist who said these words in John 129. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him. He says, look, The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The Lamb. Why why is the Lamb so important? Why is is the Lamb such a, a big deal? You might find it interesting that in your Bible, that phrase, the Lamb, appears 104 times. Most of them are found in the first five books of your Bible. And so from the beginning of the Bible, as soon as you start reading the Bible, the lamb is at the forefront. God is communicating to us. He's saying, hey, there's something real important here. Not just the lamb, but but a lamb that is sacrificed. Sacrificed. And then you also might find it interesting that, that the other 25% of the times this phrase, the lamb is used, is found in the last book of your Bible, the book of Revelation, where we, we read about the lamb, and Jesus is referred to as the lamb, and this lamb, he has authority, he has power. We read about how, how, how thousands, billions, millions of people are gathered around this throne of every tribe, nation, and tongue, like all nationalities, all language, and here's what they're doing, they're worshiping the lamb who was on the throne in the book of revelation there's there's things that are hidden things that are concealed there's there's things that would never be revealed but the lamb has authority to open them the lamb the lamb the lamb at every turn jesus is called the lamb throughout the book of Revelation. So the beginning of your Bible, the lamb is the focal point. The last book of your Bible, the lamb is the focal point. And at the apex of your Bible, the climax, we see a lamb being sacrificed so you could go free. The lamb is so important. But here's the question, what does that even mean? And so I just want to talk for a minute about the origins of of, of the lamb, and it all kind of really begins to unfold in this book of Exodus, the second book of your Bible, and uh, and God's people have been held in captivity for four hundred years. And if you ever seen the movie like The Ten Commandments, or maybe the, the Prince of Egypt, you know like this guy named Moses is the is really prominent in setting God's people free. Like in, in the Ten Commandments, that uh, Charleston Heston, he's like Moses, Moses. Like he calls us like whoa, like what is that? But Moses Moses goes to set the people of God free from captivity in Egypt, and, uh, and God sends ten plagues in effort to get for Pharaoh to let the people let the people go. Ten plagues, and the final plague is the worst of all. And God says, "Hey, you know what? I'm going to send a death angel, and every male, every every human male, and every animal firstborn male is going to die on this night." He said, but to the people of Israel, here, here, here's going to be a way out. Here, here's a way for this death angel to pass over your house. And he gave them very specific instructions in Exodus chapter 12, where we're going to be looking a little bit later today, and reading the words about this lamb. But what they had to do was take a, a, a lamb and take the blood of the lamb, put it over the doorpost of their house. And if they did, that death angel would, would pass over. And for generations, Jewish people still to this day celebrate Passover because of what took place on that night as the death angel wiped out thousands in Egypt, but passed over those who had the blood of the lamb over their doorpost. Well, we fast forward to Jesus' day. And it was on Palm Sunday, the first week of Passover, where Jesus enters into Jerusalem. Pilgrims from from all over the region had packed into this city to celebrate this Passover festival. It was on Thursday night that Jesus celebrated the Passover meal with his closest friends, his disciples. And then it was on the day of Passover where Jesus was ultimately unjustly tried, wrongfully executed. Some, some commentators make note that, that it was most likely at the very time at 9 a.m. When, when lambs across Jerusalem were having knives to their throat being sacrificed for this Passover celebration that Jesus was being nailed to the cross. They also make note that it would have been at 3 o'clock whenever the priests were putting the lambs into the oven to celebrate the Passover meal all throughout Jerusalem that Jesus' body would have been laid in a tomb to rest. And whether that timeline is accurate or not, here's what we do know to be true. It all points to Jesus in 1 Corinthians 5, 7. This statement is certainly true. For Christ, our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. So now we're going to go, go back and look at some of those original Passover instructions in uh, Exodus chapter 12. And we're going to see how from the beginning, Jesus, uh, God had this all set up to find fulfillment in Christ. And so for generation after generation after generation, these Jewish people celebrating Passover would have had this imagery th- really massaged into their minds throughout throughout generations. So there's about 12 specific instructions that, that God gave the people of Israel how to, to handle the lamb. Uh, but we're gonna look at three of them and I think you'll see a lot of direct corollaries here. Uh, so here's the first observation. The lamb, the Passover lamb had to be, it was perfect. It was perfect. Exodus 12:5 says this, uh, the animals you, you choose must be uh, year old males without defect, like they had to be, they had to be perfect. Uh, and here's, here's why, why, is, why is something being without defects so important? Uh, because it, it requires something perfect to redeem something imperfect. It, it re- re- requires something flawless to, to, to rescue something that's, that's flawed. I mean, only something uh, you can't atone for sins with something that's, that's sinful, Another way to look at it is you can't bail somebody out of jail when you're sitting in the jail cell right next to them and you can't even bail yourself out. The perfect can only be redeemed by perfection. And when it comes to perfection, like, how are you doing in that? I think a lot of people have this view of heaven and getting into heaven like this, this cosmic scale and I just need to tip the scale like 51% I'll be good enough and then I'll get into heaven. You, you go to a funeral or a life celebration and like the guy could have lived however he wanted but he was a good man because we think somehow that that's going to tip the scales. So, so how about you on a scale of 1 to 100 if 1 is Hitler and 100 is Jesus like, like where do you land in that spectrum? What, what number might you give yourself? Like Jesus is 100, maybe Billy Graham, Mother Teresa are like 90, your pastor probably high 80s. No, I wouldn't give myself that number. But, but where would you put yourself? Zero to 100, how, how good are you? And then, then here's the question, how good do you have to be? Well, I think we would agree, like we all probably have some issue here because none of us are Perfect. In fact, we say that constantly around. We are imperfect people in progress. That's why we need a savior. But the Bible says you got to be perfect. And so we have this issue. How do we we become that? How how do we find a sacrifice that's good enough? Something without defect. And so whenever Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, the life, that wasn't a statement of arrogance. It was a statement of fact because he lived a perfect life. And therefore, he's the only one qualified to meet humanity's greatest need and to be an all-sufficient Savior. 1 Peter 1, 18-19 says this, You were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. The lamb had to be perfect. Second thing, the lamb had to be Sacrificed. It's in Exodus 12, 6 that we read this, Uh, take care of them until the 14th day of, of the month. He's talking about, about the sheep here. And, and by the way, like there's some emotional attachment here, like you're to, to care for them. I'm from the Midwest and, and sometimes we have like, uh, animals, like some of my friends had animals, my my mom grew up having some animals around. Uh, my grandma had some chickens. And like, so we would, we, would, we would eat the eggs, right? Like get chickens, it's great. Uh, but the problem is whenever the, the chickens go, go rogue and like they start pecking at other chickens, they start picking fights. And then it's time for like chicken noodle soup. But the problem is like, you've named all the chickens. You've, you've cared for them. And now we're gonna... We're going to eat fluffy? Like it's it's, it's weird emotional attachment to this. But God said, no, you, you care for him until the 14th day of the month when all the people of the community of Israel, here's what you must do. You must slaughter, slaughter them at twilight. So if you're taking notes, maybe sacrifice is too light of a term. It's actually you had to slaughter the lamb. And here's what you need to know. Sometimes in church, we can downplay this and we say, yeah, Jesus was sacrificed for my sins, but here's, here's what you need to know. He was, he was slaughtered. Isaiah 54 says that he was marred beyond recognition. Hollywood really has downplayed what took place in that moment. The passion of the Christ is probably the most accurate. As the God who, who knit you together in your mother's womb, the God who, who hung stars in place and created all the creatures and everything that we know in the cosmos stepped out of eternity where he was worshipped and revered by, by angels and divine beings, comes into human flesh, lives a perfect life, and there is unjustly tried, wrongfully accused, and by a Roman governor, is sentenced to the most horrific form of death humanity has ever known, death on a cross. But before he even gets there, he, he went through a, a flogging. It's a, it's a whipping with like a cat of nine tails, they called it, where they would have sh- chunks of glass and rocks into this rope and trained executioners, Roman soldiers, one on each side would, would bind the victim of uh, hands above the head and, and one by one would lash them across the back. Floggings took the life of victims majority of the time. If they survived, they were then led to their execution. But even before that, Jesus is mocked. A crown of thorns is crushed onto his head. He's paraded through the streets of Jerusalem as pilgrims packed in and saw him. The perfect one led to his execution. And from there, he would have been nailed to a cross not through the hands, but through the, the wrist. The New Testament authors would have considered this part of the hand and it would have severed the median nerve. And there on the cross, once in place and erected upright, it would have been about eye level with everyone he saw and they beheld him. His mom saw him. And, and to only get a breath whenever you're crucified, you have to pull yourself up and then back down just saying, he, he wasn't just crucified for your sins. He was, this is a more accurate word. He was slaughtered. To, to, to get this visual that sin requires such a sacrifice. To, to, we can downplay our mistakes. We can downplay our sinful nature, but it came at a great price. And the Jewish people would have understood this because every year at Passover, they would have slaughtered a lamb. Every single household, didn't just happen on, on Passover, though, in Exodus 29, 38 through 39. This is to the priest, and it says, this is what you are to offer on the altar regularly each day. Every day, here's what you got to do. Two lambs, a year old, offer one in the morning and one at twilight. He's like, boys, you're messed up. You might not know this, but spiritual leaders, are we got issues too. He's like, before you start your day, make a sacrifice to, to free you from, so you can start your day with a clean slate. And then by the way, before you go to bed, you got to make a sacrifice again because you made some mistakes throughout the day. And these priests who would ultimately kind of function as butchers had this reminder of the consequences of sin confronting their five senses on a daily, daily basis. But here's the good news. Your lamb does not need to be sacrificed twice a day. He is dealt with sin once and for all so you can live free from shame, free from a guilty conscience, free from sin's deceitfulness. Here's what it says in Hebrews 10, 10. It says, and by that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Christ once and for all. No more sacrifice is needed. Like, that's good news. That's worth getting a little bit fired up about. Because his, his sacrifice was so perfect. It took care of everything that you've ever done in your past. It, took, it takes care of everything that you've done today. And it will take care of everything that you will do in the future. The sacrifice has been made once for all. You can now walk in freedom it's not like God's looking at you whenever you blow it and he says that's one no 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 it doesn't catch him by surprise he's already supplied the sacrifice needed for you to be free from shame free from guilt free from condemnation so you can be 100 percent perfect in God's eyes Verse 11 says, says day after day, priests stand and perform their religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifice, which never can take away sins. But when the priest, Jesus, had offered for all times one sacrifice for sin, he sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice, he made perfect forever those who are being made holy. The Holy Spirit also testifies about this. He says, this is the covenant I will make with them. After that, says the Lord, I will put my law in their heart and I will write it on their minds. Then he adds this, their sins and lawless acts, I will remember no more. And where there have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. I've got good news, friends. Sacrifice for your sins is no longer necessary. And some of you watching this maybe because of the guilt of your past. You live in a constant state of sacrifice, beating yourself up morning and night over dumb things you've done in your past. Well, I'm here to tell you the lamb, he was perfect. He was sacrificed. So sacrifice is no longer needed. You can now walk in freedom. Sacrifice is no longer Needed. And here's the last aspect of the, the Passover lamb that we'll look at today that we see fulfilled is that the lamb was not only perfect, the lamb was not only sacrificed, the lamb was shared. This is probably one of the, my favorite aspects of this Passover meal. It's, a, it's an aspect that honestly I never really recognized to the degree that I, I, I do now, and I'm sure I got a whole lot more to learn. But but from studying this this week and, and last week, preparing to present this to you. But but it's awesome to think that throughout generations, this was massaged into the Jewish nation, the nation of Israel, that the lamb was always to be shared. Here's what would would take place, and if, if they're celebrating Passover, if one individual family there wasn't enough people to to eat the lamb. Then they were to invite some people over to share the lamb. Here it is in Exodus 12, 4. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share it with one of their nearest neighbors. They they could not keep any of it left over, no leftovers, all of it. It must be shared. And let me just pause right there and say our house, our household here at Central is too small. We must share. Venture Christian Church, their their household is too small. They got to share. Echo Church, too small. Must share. Westgate, too small. Must share. Hillsong Church, too small. Must share. Life Church, too small. Must share. We must share the lamb. There's more. There's more. We live in a a county where 1.7 million people don't even know the lamb, haven't tasted it. We must share. We must share. And I, I love God's heart for this. It starts with, with your family. And once your family's satisfied, you share it with your neighbors. And once your neighbors are satisfied, then they can share it with their neighbors. And on and on and on. It's always been the heart of God for this. A lamb. The lamb must be, be shared. 2 Corinthians 5:19 says this. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Here's the good news. He did the heavy lifting. Like he does the hard part. He, God is in charge of reconciliation. How did he do it? At ultimate price, he gave himself in Christ so that people can go free, not counting men's sins against them. Your account balance can be brought to zero, not by anything you did, not by anything I can do for you, but because of all what Christ did He he did the heavy lifting. He did the hard part. He he did the sacrifice. He lived the perfect life. Now the lamb is to be shared. And so he's committed to you. He's committed to us. To you, Dave. To you, Donna. To you, John. To you, Rhonda. to, To you, Lindsay. He's committed to you. This message. You can be free. Your account balance can be reconciled in the courts of heaven. You can know God. You can grow in freedom. You can show your purpose. You can go change the world because the lamb has been slain. In closing, three opportunities. Three opportunities. I want to just try to make this as practical as I can as we land the plane. We're in a pivotal season in our church as we move into falls, not just in our church, but around the world. Like, it's a pivotal season. So I want to invite you along with me to do these three things. Three things. The first is this, pray. We need to pray. Here's the deal. I want to just revisit this one friend focus. We, We say this all the time, but we want you to live life with a one friend focus. You probably got 50 friends that don't know God, but who's one person you're praying for on a daily basis saying, God, would you save them? God, you've, you've, you're the perfect lamb. You've made the sacrifice, but they haven't tasted it. They haven't received it. So Jesus, would you open their eyes? Would you, would you save them? Who's one person you're praying for on a daily basis that they know God? Here's why it's so vital that we pray because salvation is not something you or I can do. We can't save anyone. Only God can do that. And here's the deal. They have a very real enemy. A matter of fact, the enemy has blinded them to the truth. The Bible says this in 1 Corinthians four four says the God, little, little g of this age, has blinded the minds of unbelievers. Like Like, you can't really get mad at them. It's not their fault. They've been blinded. You know, it doesn't do any good to, like, get upset at your son or your daughter or your husband who doesn't know God because they've, They've been blinded. He's blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. They've been blinded. So we gotta pray. God, open their eyes. Here's what I wanna invite you to do. As we move into this fall, starting this week, we're doing love week. There's nothing more loving you can do than pray for people to know God. So here's how I'm asking you to pray. Pray like this. Say, Heavenly Father, In the name of Jesus, I pray you'd save Randy. I pray, God, that he would know you. God, I know he's been blinded. He's been lured away by all kinds of things in this life. But Jesus, I'm praying that you would rescue him. You are the perfect lamb. You made the sacrifice. God, I pray he would know you. He would taste it. He'd taste and see how good you are. So God, I'm praying you'd rescue him from the lies of the enemy. In Jesus' name. And you pray that for your one friend, just like that, every day of the week. And you watch how God moves in their life and in your life. You pray for opportunities. God, use me to help them find you and follow you. Second thing we do, we invite. We invite people to know God. This is why we're here. We say it's everywhere. We exist to help people know God, to to find and follow Jesus so they can Grow in freedom and go on this vibrant journey that God has for them, but, but it requires someone to, to invite them. Romans 10 13 says this Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, but how can they ask to, to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless Juan tells them, unless Ken tells them, unless Amir tells them? Unless Janessa, how can they hear unless you tell them? Let, let's live this out. Let's invite people. As a matter of fact, maybe you're watching this today and you say, you know what? I don't, I don't know God, but I, I never thought it would be through a message about a lamb, but all of a sudden it makes sense. And if that's you, I just want to invite you to not ignore that, but to go all in with Jesus. So if that's you, the Bible says that, that you can know God, you can begin this vibrant journey with him by, by confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, like you're gonna let him call the shots, he's gonna be the, the boss of your life. And by believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says you can be saved. That could all start right now. As a matter of fact, if that's you, I would just love for you to pray a simple prayer along with me like this. Say, say God, I realize I've made some mistakes. I realize I've sinned and that separates me from you. But God, today I realize that Jesus, you lived a perfect life so that you could be a sufficient sacrifice to reconcile my my debt before you. And your payment has brought my account balance to zero by what you did on the cross. And it came at extreme sacrifice. Matter of fact, you were slaughtered for me. I just get a glimpse of that. And God, I just say, yes, I'm going to follow you. Today, God, I surrender my life to you. Amen. And hey, if that was your prayer today, it's more than just a prayer moment. It's a lifestyle. It's when we see God as he is, it is the most important thing about us because it shapes how we live our day-to-day life. It shapes our actions, our behaviors, not just our thoughts and our worldview. And so if that's your commitment, man, I, I just want to invite you to go public with your faith and get baptized, show God you mean business. And we would love to partner with you in that. You can text us at 408-944-5402. Uh, just text us, 408-944-5402. Just, say, I, just text, I want to get baptized. And if you don't live in our state, if you don't live in our, our country, we'll do our best to, to help you take that next step and go public with your faith and get baptized. And then finally, so we're going to pray for people. We're going to invite people. Then third, we're going to participate. We're going to participate. We're we're going to participate in small groups as we move into the fall. We're going to participate in serving opportunities. We're going to participate to serve our city, to love our city. Like we got some, some opportunities for you to participate in in helping some hurting people this week. Matter of fact, you can, you can help provide food uh, to those in need on Friday and Saturday this week. We're going to be, be helping our our first responders on Wednesday, providing them meals to our, our fire department and police officers. We're going to be, be serving our city this week. And I was, want to invite you to participate in that. But but in addition to that, maybe more important than that, I want you to participate by living your life with an accurate perspective of who Jesus is. Here's the way they phrased it in Revelation 5.12. They see Jesus. They get this perspective of him. And here's how they respond. In a loud voice, they sang, worthy is the Lamb. Who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. In other words, they respond with saying, all my influence, all my power, God, I lay it at the feet of the lamb. All my wealth, everything I possess, God, I give it over to you. Everything I know, everything I don't know, God, I give it to you. All my physical strength, God, it belongs to you. All the honor and glory that I could ever have, God, I lay it at your feet. And all my praise, I give to the lamb because he's worthy. And now as we move, into a time of worship. I wanna invite you to participate, to lift your voice, to declare to God how awesome he is because the lamb was perfect, the lamb was sacrificed, the lamb's to be shared. So let's be people who respond with that posture and say, God, I'm gonna pray for people to, 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 to experience you. God, I'm going to invite people to experience you. But while I do all that, God, I'm going to participate. And I'm I'm going to experience you myself. Now, as Juan leads us in a time of worship, let's participate.
1: I climb and spoke your name into the night. Then through the darkness, your loving kindness tore through the shadow.
2: could imagine so great a mercy what heart could fathom such boundless grace the God of ages stepped down from glory to my sin and burn my shame the cross has been Full Savior I'm yours fully.